Hello and welcome to season three of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary. I can't believe we're still doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm Teej. And what what could possibly stop us, Mary? I don't know at this point. I honestly don't know. And I wonder sometimes. Season three, wow, it is really kicking it up a notch. Mary, we are cooking with grease this season. We are firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. And speaking of fire, I don't know about you, but I think there may be some explosive plot twists coming our way. (laughs) Did you say explosive? Yeah, are we this getting... place about to blow. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> Have the money. Please don't sue us. They can take all the royalties. We don't make any money. Because you know what? There's no real There's no real sponsors. But each week, we're going to have a couple fake ones. We sure will. And you're going to learn all about them coming up now on the Melrose Placecast. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 7 already, called The Crook, The Creep, His Lover, and Her Sister. I'm Mary. And I am Teach Mary. You got through the whole title without laughing. Oh my god, I'm still thinking about that other thing we were talking about, but we'll save it till later in the season, I guess. We were talking about Jake's brother, but The Crook, The Creep, His Lover, and Her Sister. None of those are in the Hanson family. For once, yeah, yeah. Um, can we, for just a second, touch upon... Okay, so I, I'm trying to unpack this title. So the sister is Sydney. Yeah. Lover is Jane. Uh-huh. Beep is Chris. Who is the crook? Is Chris also the crook? You know, it's possible. I don't know who else it would be. Is there another... Is there someone else involved in this whole thing? I don't know. Maybe this conspiracy goes all the way to the top. Oh. it's It could be. That would be Peter Burns. Peter Burns. You know who it would not be? Hmm. The top would not be Matt. Oh, boy. Should have seen that coming, but I didn't. <laughs> but I did not. Mary, <laughs> I this sh- episode, he got like one line, right? When he walked into the bar. Yeah, I think he got to say, hey, what's going on? I don't even remember that. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I don't even think he wasn't at the hospital. He wasn't. Yeah, he was there at the party when Jake got shooters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, Mary, aside from Jake getting shooters, this particular episode of Melrose Place is so noteworthy because it is the moment when historians will agree that Melrose Place permanently crossed over to high art for the generations. I'm interested to learn more about how you conclusion. Well, and in the history books, there'll be three chapters. Are these those history books that come from Texas? <laughs> yeah, that's why Matt's not in the episode. <laughs> oh, Matt. <laughs> all right. There'll be three chapter titles, all of them conveniently quotes from this week's episode. What are the chances? Mm. <laughs> Quote number three is really Texas. We'll come back to that. Quote number one. Chapter one, if you will. Mm-hmm. I figured lunch wouldn't go well, so I scheduled a one o'clock meeting. <laughs> that was high art. That was great. Quote number two. I don't want to burst your bubble, but Jane, your boyfriend is a sleaze ball. <laughs> and quote number three, just for Texas. I'm not sure if I can afford to keep this baby. <laughs> 
It's topical and current. Ah, you know, listen, Texas trying to invade our women's rights, always going to be current. Sadly, yes. Sad but true. Mary, let's do, can I just dive right in with the, the <laughs> scheduling an escape meeting? Yep, I think it's time. It's time. <laughs> well, here's there, that quote from Amanda Woodward. I figured lunch wouldn't go well, so I scheduled a one o'clock meeting. Um, this is about uh, Jacobus and Amanda Woodward. Mm-hmm. So if you remember, last episode, after Jake left, his daddy. Oh, daddies. He, there was a voicemail from the FBI saying we've got a lot of money for what we later learned was the capture of Kathy Ireland. Yeah. Well, people wanted her and they got her. They got her. Now, news from the other podcast. Uh, Dan and Jenny said when they were recording this, which I think was in 2017, maybe 2018, they went to Kmart's website where they could still find Kathy Ireland clothes. Wow, that was five years ago. Yeah. Meanwhile, today I read in the news another Kmart closed in New Jersey. So we're down to three in the country. Oh, that's kind of sad. Three places you can get Kathy Ireland clothes. Do they have a website? Can you order? I don't know, Mary. And I'm not going to find out. I don't know and I never will. Just wait till you get your next birthday present and it's nothing but Kathy Ireland items. <laughs> yeah, thanks for adding <laughs> that last part. I do not, I would not like a gift of Kathy Ireland. <laughs> you she, like just, she, she just comes with too much plastique. <laughs> she will probably blow up your house. <laughs> anyway, Jake had scheduled a meeting with Amanda, a lunch meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, he said lunch. He didn't say meeting. And she's a little standoffish because they've had, you know, some turns. And it turns out he says he got $50,000 to help capture Kathy Ireland. Which, by the way, he didn't do a goddamn thing to capture Kathy Ireland. No, she blew up his boat and he floated in the ocean. She, all he did was die or let Amanda Woodward's father die on top of him. <laughs> he didn't alert the FBI to her presence. He didn't point, he didn't even point in the right direction. You the, know... The Coast Guard comes, and he's more worried about getting out of the cool waters than pointing. He must have been so delusional by the time they pulled him out of the water, too. He wouldn't even be able to point to where land was. Like, I don't know about all this. Whatever. You know what? Good for Jake. He got money thrown at him again for doing nothing. Now, Kathy Ireland, apparently she had a million dollars with him. She's captured. Amanda's getting a million bucks. I don't know if she gets that money. (laughs) (laughs) What? anyway jake said he needs investment advice he'd really like this to turn into some security um that will eventually be burned down i'm sure um but doesn't he owe joe thirty thousand dollars who can keep track with those two because then she'll be like you don't have to pay me back and he goes i'm a man i'm gonna pay you back and she's like don't be such a man he's like i'm still being a man (laughs) well anyway he needs investment investment advice and he says he doesn't know anyone smarter with a man or money than amanda woodward and she seems a little taken aback by the compliment and he says some version of well we're not going to sleep together (laughs) (laughs) but amanda suggests real estate joe jake says i have to work for a living i'm not going to do that and amanda said try something else i don't know i heard shooters is for sale oh god (laughs) (sighs) And we all see where this is coming. Anyway, Amanda's like, oh, look at the time I have to go. And Jake says, you just got here. And Amanda delivers a line of high art for the generations. Children, Mary. <laughs> Logan's children are going to need to learn this trick. Which is, she said, 
I figured lunch wouldn't go well, so I scheduled a one o'clock meeting. <laughs> I really did laugh at that because it was uh, very much in character. That's absolutely something she would do. And it was also just very funny. That was a very funny line. That was. I'll yeah. Like, and... schedule oh, go a ahead. Day I scheduled the meeting at one and leave. Wait. So, you know, it. listen, I just think um, it's a good idea. It's a good idea to schedule an escape meeting when things aren't going to go well. Or again, don't even schedule the escape meeting and just say that you did. Yeah, we actually, we didn't see Amanda at a meeting, so it's possible. That's true. We didn't cut to her at a meeting. Yeah. So we later see, just to wrap this up, um, Jake is walking out in a suit and tie that he borrowed from who? Uh, maybe he borrowed one from his dad when he visited Oh, Daddy, I need a tie. He helped him learn how to tie the tie, too, probably. Yeah, so Joe's impressed. Later near the end of the episode, all of Melrose Place is at Shooters, and Joe, Jake says he's going to buy everybody around. And so he kind of calls back to the bar, and the bartender says, Okay, Mr. Hansen. Ooh. And uh, everybody's um, a little surprised. And that about wraps up. Jake's storyline, at least with shooters, I imagine we might talk about Jake later with Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll probably come up. Um, you know what? I'm going to say that Amanda's lying about scheduling that one o'clock meeting because she thought this one wouldn't go well. I do think that is high art. That was very clever of her. It was very in keeping with something Amanda would do. And I might remember that if I ever need it. <laughs> so I approve. Mary, we're out of time. We're out of time. Uh, Anchor is not letting us have any more time than this. Oh, what a shame. Oh, boy. Um, May I briefly touch upon the scene at Shooters? Yeah. Actually, I'm not sure that you can do it briefly, but please do touch upon the scene. (laughs) Oh, wow. You're just, the the knives are just being thrown this evening. Um, Okay. So, like you said, Jake, uh, he summons Billy, Amanda, Joe, and Matt. Uh, This is the only time we see Matt. And he orders them all beers, and the bartender says, oh, yes, Mr. Hansen. Joe's like, what's that about? And he's like, I bought shooters. And they're, they're like, wow, like, that's great. Like, that's good, good job. <laughs> good for you. Go you, and, Mr. Buyer. And then that fucking buzzkill, Jane goddamn Mancini walks in. Jesus Christ. So this blonde bitch comes walking in. Jane, Whoa. excited. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with this one this week. So... She goes waltzing in. She's not been invited to the little party, but she's there. Jake is like, hey, do you want a drink? And she's like, no, no thanks. Joe told me what you said about Chris, and you jumped to the wrong conclusion, and blah, blah, blah. And Jake diplomatically is like, I know what I heard. And Jane's like, no, you don't know what you heard. Sydney makes everything inside out, blah, blah, blah. And Jake's like, if you don't want to believe that Chris is a jerk, like, that's your business. I don't give a shit. And she's like, this is all Sydney's fault, blah, blah, blah. If you're my friend, Jake, then you should stay out of this. And Jake's like, yeah, I'd like to do that. I would like to stay out of it. Jane's like, you have to pick a side, mine or Sydney's. And I, I got so goddamn mad at this bitch, Teach. And like, Jake finally has something good happen. Like, for, for episode after episode, Jake has been getting shot at. Dad gets shot at him. Blown like, up. He's, he's presumed dead. He's floating out in the ocean. He gets dropped off at home without even a dry change of clothes by the Coast Guard. He gets booted out of his apartment. He gets let back into his apartment. He leaves his apartment and drives off into the desert on his motorcycle. He gets rejected by his daddy. Like, this poor dope. And he finally, something good happens. He gets some money. He gets to buy shooters because that, that's the only thing he could buy because that's the only other set they have. And did she have to come? Like, 
just just leave him alone. Just let Jake have one moment. Let Jake have one moment where he gets to accomplish something before it burns down. Thank you very much. I'm done. <laughs> okay. In defense of Ms. Mancini, Ugh. she did not know he bought shooters. She, as far as we know, she still doesn't know. <laughs> He's wearing a suit. Something's going on. And it's important. <laughs> um. Yes. Uh, and of course, the, the missing piece there is uh, Jake walked in and heard Chris uh, talking lewdly about Sydney over at Mancini Designs. And Jake, we'll Jake ends up hiring Sydney um, to give her a chance so she doesn't have to go to jail. Sure. Sure. But I don't know why you're hating on Jane. Jane. This is the most interesting thing she's done all season. Jesus. And it's that, over. The best thing that could happen would be to never have Jane on the show at all. That would have been the best course of action here. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm done with her. It never okay. gets better. <laughs> anyway, thank you for indulging me. Indulged. <laughs> um, but yeah, going, going back, I, I will concede that that was a moment of rare high art. The, I scheduled another appointment so I could get out of this one. It's very smart. <laughs> She should have. She should have done that the first time Hillary Mike Melrose place to D and D. Yeah, I'm surprised this isn't like a staple thing that she's done over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, I got so mad at Jane. Oh. Anyway, can I talk about some trash? Other than uh, it, it is involved Melrose place because I didn't see any this week. <laughs> I managed to find some. Believe it or okay. not. Okay. Let's go, let's go, let's get this over with. I call this, is there a Mr. Woodward? <laughs> so we're going to kind of... Is there a part two to, is there a Mr. Woodward? Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead. All right, so th- we're going to talk a little bit about Michael and Kimberly and Amanda and Dr. Peter Burns. So uh, Michael and Kimberly are at meeting with Amanda at the advertising place. He has to approve of the crap for Jane's stupid catalog bullshit. And he won't because he, he's pissed off at Jane. And me too. So I'm all for it this time. Um, Michael makes jokes about how they don't invite him to the meetings. And so that's why he's not there. And Chris has a phony Australian accent. I'm like, well, he's, he's not wrong. I can't, he's, he's correct. Um, he won't sign off on this stuff. And Amanda's like, I know, like, I set up the deal that negotiated your contract. I understand you own 50%. Uh, Amanda, he's, he's like, will you just sign this shit, basically? And Kimberly's like, we need to kick it around a little. And Amanda's like, I know what I'd like to kick her around. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda is the only one brave enough to, like, look at Kimberly Shaw and be like, fuck you. Yeah, she does not care. And it's great. It's um, almost like Kimberly's not going to blow up her apartment building. <laughs> spoilers um anyway bruce walks in as they're walking out and he says they're perfect for lifestyle ads they're doing for factors gourmet coffee whose slogan is only one thing tastes better than success uh amanda's like i wouldn't buy a used car from them let alone coffee yeah yeah uh i'm sorry what's the bigger investment here did she just yes that's what i was thinking like it's backwards right yeah like... yeah the writers were slacking off this week. Um, Bruce warns Amanda that her star has fallen because of the negative publicity from the alleged sexual harassment from Chaz. And then Allison got credit for stupid Escapade magazine coming. And he's like, you need to get these two on board and make them my sexy doctor models. So next we cut to Amanda at the hospital. She's like, we're looking for young urban professionals on their way up. And Michael 
very awkwardly, and I wasn't sure if this was like supposed to be on purpose, he is repeating back, you want us to model for an advertisement? Adver- <laughs> advertisement? Yeah. I noted the weird cadence there too. Uh, and Amanda's like, yeah, like I want to, we want to capture couples like they really are. So you might have to do a little acting to cover up the rough spots. Kimberly's like, we have very demanding schedules. And Michael interrupts. He's like, not that demanding. How much do we get paid? Which is always a fun Michael moment. She's like, you get 5,000 each. We're going to shoot it on a Saturday at your house. And he's like, well, what's in it for you? And she's like, the joy of seeing two friends get their moment in the spotlight. And of course she'll sign off on Jane's ad campaign. And Michael's like, I think you just bought two models. And Amanda leaves and Kimberly's like, we're going to get in trouble because we're not allowed to do self-promotion. And Michael's like, don't sweat it. I'm going to go talk to the new chief of staff because he really doesn't like you. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, he goes waltzing into Dr. Peter Burns' office. Uh, Peter looks very busy. He is literally chewing a pencil between his teeth. That's how you know he's busy. Um, Dr. Burns is like, do you not have enough work to do? And Michael's like, ha ha, no, I'm busy, but you just let me know. I can take on more. And Dr. Burns is like, what do you want? And Michael's like, I'm just letting you know as a courtesy that uh, we've been asked to appear in a magazine ad. And what what kind of coffee can the poor slobs out there drink to be just like us? <laughs> Peter's like, nah. And Michael's like, oh yeah, I'm very photogenic. And Peter's like, no, no doctors aren't going to be that commercial who work here. And I was like, is crass commercialism really the biggest problem you have with your doctors here at this hospital? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's, he, Michael, it's not like Michael's advertising bottles of wine. <laughs> not yet. Um, Michael's like, well, is this just a courtesy visit? So like, you can't really tell me what to do when I'm not here. And Dr. Burns is like, you're on duty 24 seven. So you eat, live and breathe Wilshire Memorial. Play by my rules or find another sandbox. Oh, yeah, I- so, so we know Peter Burns is a boomer. <laughs> he totally is uh michael literally pouts like a child before he stops out of the office it's very adorable later we see dr burns he's in his office by himself swinging a golf club while he's on the phone which is classic soap opera maneuver amanda appears in the doorway in a very sexy little miniskirt and a weird vest and but dr. not vest vest yes not no it's not that vest not the famous vest uh, and he says, someone rather extraordinary has just walked into my office, which is a line I would also like to use on people. She's there talking about coffee. And she's like, if this is a waste of time, just tell me to leave. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm very reasonable, Ms. Woodward. And she sits down and she's like, you know, doctors are about as well-liked as lawyers nowadays. <laughs> which I was like, right, is that true? <laughs> I don't know. People are cynical and about healthcare and doctors and that anyone with an MD after the name lives in a mansion and plays golf on Wednesdays. And he replies, is there a Mr. Woodward? (laughs) 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 No. And then we made a meme once that said, had her responding, Oh, there was, but he just blew up. Yeah. Is there Mr. Woodward? Yeah. My dad, but he just blew up. Just blew up. Uh, she goes on, she's like, if they, if you let them appear in this ad, it's going to demystify this. It's free publicity. And he sits even closer and he's like, will you go to dinner with me? And she's like, have you changed your mind? And he said, yeah, they can do it. And she says, you're kind of arrogant, even for a surgeon. Is there a Mrs. Burns? And he goes, yes, my mother. Ha <laughs> ha, comedy. Uh, Doctors are so funny. They're so funny. We cut to the commercial shoot, and it's out on the beach in front of Michael and Kimberly's house. Oh, do you remember this meme? 
Yeah, do I ever. Uh, Michael is dressed wearing khakis and a little pink button down and this white vest. It's kind of a weird outfit. He wishes he could wear his lab coat and stethoscope, but Amanda's like, no, you can't. No. Uh, Joe tells him he looks good and he interrupts with, who cares what she's doing? No offense. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> that was really rude. I don't know what that was about. Uh, just then, a golden retriever runs up and sticks his nose directly into Michael's crotch. <laughs> Michael says, whose dog is this? And says, we rented it for the day. Apparently you can do that in Los Angeles. Uh, Mary, you have, to tell, you have to tell the good people how you captioned that picture eight years ago. Did it say something like, Michael can't keep the bitches away? <laughs> Michael can't keep the bitches away. <laughs> it was her time. Um, so yeah, they're getting ready to take the photo shoot and Dr. Burns comes walking down the beach, which seems... Yeah. And he, Joe, he appeared to be walking from the ocean. He really did. Now mm-hmm. that he did uh, Joe sees him and she's like, ooh, he's very handsome. And Amanda says, keep your paws off. I saw him first. And they go yeah, that, yeah, that's how Joe and Amanda work. That is how they work. Uh, we see Peter and Amanda are out at dinner. She's like, what's it like running a hospital? And he's like, I've inherited quite a mess. Heads will be flying so fast around that hospital. It'll look, it'll look like a bowling alley. Uh, she asked about Michael and Kimberly and he's like, they're underhanded, manipulative and not very clever at covering it and they're flaunting their not so rich and famous lifestyle in a magazine. I'm not sure that helps their position. Then he says, your eyes are amazing. And she's like, oh, stop. Uh, yeah, and he's doing this like mid-sentence. Like, yeah. He answers his question and then refers to one of Amanda's, Amanda's physical traits. Mid-sentence. He, he's, he's keeping her on her toes. It's fun to watch. Like, yeah. Her beautiful toes that curl so gently. So gently. Uh, and so he's, she's like, do you like having all that power? And he's like, well, what do you think? Should I fire those two? And she's like, if I said yes, you do, you just fire them? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm under your spell. I'll do anything that you say. And she says to Michael and Kimberly, okay, sirrah, sirrah. He says, I'm in the mood to do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> That's what every woman wants to hear. Uh, the next day, Michael is at the hospital talking to Peter, and he's like, oh, Amanda and I go way back. I used to live with her. I mean, she was my landlord. I was married. Of course, I never had the opportunity to date her, but you son of a gun, I want details. Peter's like, I am not going to do this with you, so please stop. This is sexist and demeaning. And Michael's like, oh, I'm sorry, last night didn't live up to your expectations. Don't take it out on me. And Peter's like, you don't get it. And Michael butts in again. He goes, yeah, first dates are a real downer. Give her another shot. And then if you don't score... <laughs> Oh my god, Peter stops. He's like, Who do you think you're talking to? I'm the chief of staff, not your friend. <laughs> oh my god, he tells him all the residents are up for review, so he and Kimberly better shape up, or trust me, you'll be shipping out. And Peter goes in his office and he slams the door, and Michael stands there mugging and he's making these like hilarious, exasperated faces, like, What did I do wrong? <laughs> it's just a delight. Oh my god, this whole storyline is the- so. It was the most fun of the whole episode because even the other ones that are entertaining are a little darker. Um, Michael, his oblivious overconfidence in how photogenic he is and how he thinks Dr. Burns likes him better than Kimberly when he clearly hates them both. (laughs) And then he's like trying to talk like he used to live with Amanda and then the dog thing. It's just very fun. Um, And the, the most soapy part of this was the whole fact that like oh, the advertising agency just happens to be looking for some models, and oh, we just happened to meet Kimberly and Michael, and we'll just hire them instead of getting, like, actual models or whatever. And I'm like, 
wouldn't the coffee company want to vet some of these people? Like, there is no way they would make it through a vetting process, these two. Like, questionable. I think the coffee company would leave that to D&D. But they, wouldn't they tell D&D to actually do that? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it was fun, though. Like, I wasn't mad at this one. This was entertaining. You know what you are going to be mad at. Besides Jane Mancini? The quote... I don't want to burst your bubble, but Jane, your boyfriend is a sleazeball. (laughs) All right, let's do it. So why is this high art for the generations? I'll get to the storyline in a second. But the reason it's uh, I am listing this as high art for the generation is Sydney is telling Jane that her boyfriend is bad news. Yeah. We all know not to do that now. That if you step in and tell your friend, your sister, your sibling, your parent, who the fuck ever... The like your boyfriend that you're infatuated with right now is bad, and I don't want to be around them. That you're the one that gets cut out, not yeah. the boyfriend. It's, it, you're over. You're gone. That's just how it goes. And let me tell you, sister. Even when they break up, you can't say it because they'll get back together, and then you'll be gone. Yeah, you're 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 gonna get left out of the family nights at Olive Garden for sure. Yeah. So Sydney is demonstrating a lesson. I think we've all learned the hard way at one point in our life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that no we don't have the freedom to say this to our friends or sisters or siblings or whoever no just 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 keep your mouth shut yeah so there we go but here's what happened to lead up to that All first right. oh matt matt had the first stated the first line of the episode he asked chris why he moved from australia and then matt left melrose place <laughs> He had an important, you know what? He always says, if you think it's crazy in the emergency room, you should see what it's like down in social services. And away he went. <laughs> um, Chris responds that he came here for work. He's the vice president of a major international retailer. Um, who the fuck talks like that? Wouldn't you say? That's what I would say, because I would be proud to wear that JCPenney pin on my lapel. Or was it Kmart with Kathy Ireland? <gasps> Maybe <gasps> Synergy relationship going on, yeah. Was Chris are Chris and Kathy Ireland fucking? Probably. He seems to be trying to fuck everybody else. Anyway, so they everybody except his girlfriend. Uh they're talking about that and they, you know, kind of some version of like, when did you how did you notice Jane? And he said, No, Jane was already discovered. She was a well-known designer. And Sydney out of nowhere is like, I'm a designer too, you know. <laughs> and everybody like crickets and rose their eyes and then Amanda said and to think your talents might have been wasted waking license plates in some women's prison (laughs) it's so mean (laughs) (sighs) yeah Um, Sydney tells Jane that her boyfriend is bad and Sydney realizes she has to move Uh, this is a good time to talk about Sydney's outfits (laughs) oh boy She is wearing a like a deep chocolate brown with red uh, hints in it, crushed velvet dress. A lot of velvet, a lot of velvet. Crushed velvet, Mary. When I was in high school, while this show was on the air, I had a crushed velvet shirt that made people say, "Can I touch it?" <laughs> what color was it? It was black. Everything was black, Mary. I was going through my Darlene phase. I know you wear a lot of blue, too, so I think it was a fair question. That is a fair point, uh, but no, I was going through my darling face. Yeah, you're very dark and intense. That's so brooding. <laughs> like a head on a clutch full of eggs. 
anyway, Sydney's wearing this brown crushed velvet dress. Uh, we're at Jay Mancini Designs, and Chris is alone with Sydney, and he comes onto her again, and she storms away, and she's yelling as she storms away, just as Jake walks in. Now, Jake, uh, because he was at lunch with Amanda, Amanda said, I did you a favor by telling you to buy shooters. Uh, kiss a fucking death if you ask me but I did you a favor will you do me a favor and deliver this to Jane these papers from Michael and Kimberly okay yeah so Jake walks in and says sees Sydney storm away and kind of looks at Sydney and says to Chris I need to deliver these papers and Chris for some reason uh talks about (laughs) what a backside on that one oh I hired her from some uh prison (laughs) program and I'm thinking of taking it out in trade. Oh, God, it was terrible. It, it made no sense. but It was but, like a sexual harassment video at work. Like It, it was, but it, it was how I perceive straight guys to talk about each other, or talk to each other when no one's around. I, You know what? I can't confirm or deny that. Yeah, me neither. So we're going to go with it. Um, <laughs> and then Jake delivers i thought the line of the episode like i think you know they now say like when you have a funny comment on the internet they're like you won the internet today jake won television for the day because chris does his whole thing talks about cindy taking it on the train and jake says by the way i'm not a messenger i'm a friend of james and sydney's oh walks away (laughs) zing yeah so Jake goes to uh, tells Joe what happened, and Joe, this pregnant bitch, it's like pregnant had nothing to do with it, but this pregnant bitch says, "Well, with her history, she's a walking target." So we're gonna take away Joe's male feminist card too. <laughs> Chris and Jane are walking on the beach. He explains that. It was Sydney that said something about trade and he responded back and Jake misunderstood. But he said, I could understand why Jake thought that. So he's coming off as reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, Jane just says, I just keep hoping there's some way I can help her. But of course she can't. Uh, Jane comes in, fires Sydney, kicks her out. The parole, this is going real fast. The parole agent <laughs> recommends that Sydney be reinstitutionalized. She's not safe to be in public anymore. But it's the weekend, so we'll come back at you Monday. (laughs) That does seem realistic. (laughs) Sydney is crying to Jake, and Jake hires Sydney, who says, I'll be the best waitress you've ever had. Aw. Yep. Amanda gives Sydney keys to her apartment that Sydney had inquired about getting back. Yeah. And it turns out Chris rented it for her. Yeah. Um, and we learn uh, Chris attacks Sydney at Shooters. Yeah. Uh, Sydney's left alone. Jake says, you can lock up. She does not lock up. Chris comes in, uh, sells her on the pool table. She locks herself in a storage closet. And from shouting outside, Chris explains what he was doing this whole time. He said, I've decided to marry your sister. This is my Australian accent. I've decided to marry your sister, which means I'll have everything I ever wanted a mother for my children, and a whore of my very own. And now we know what Chris is up to. He has the Madonna whore complex. He wants to do dirty, sexual, nasty things, but he can't imagine doing that to the mother of his children. So he needs to treat his wife like a Madonna, and he needs a whore. Just to be clear, not like the Madonna. No, I think like the Madonna. I think he's going for the pointy bra. 
Oh, okay. Those look sharp. That's why he can't touch them. Yep, stay away. Keep your hands clear. You'll poke your eyes out. So what do you think, Mary? Was this, was this high art Sydney trying to interfere and meddle and tell Jane that she's got a bad boyfriend? Well, I'm going to talk about this a little bit as well, but I will, I will separate it from the thing I'm primarily going to focus on. Um, was it high art? No. <laughs> no. Mary, can you, can you just try a different answer? <laughs> um, I will say, and I, I know I've said this before, um, despite Sydney's many uh, not great qualities, I felt so bad for her in this episode because um, she's just kind of getting shit on. And it's not that she doesn't bring this on herself a lot of the time, but she's kind of not bringing it on herself right now. Like she's for Sydney, she's she's being pretty good right now. And um, I got really mad at Jane being so stupid because she's always so stupid and she never gets any smarter. Um, it's it, I was. It, <laughs> I appreciated the scene where um, Sydney and Jake were at the bar and she was talking about how she was going to have to go back to what she calls the loony bin. And she was clearly very upset. And she's like, I think I'll probably just like kill myself basically is what she said. And he said, you're, you're a waitress now here, you go clean the tables off and do that, which seemed very in keeping with Jake's character. I know he, we, we frequently revoke his male feminist card, but this was a moment where I was, I was pleased. It seemed in character that he was trying to do the right thing and be nice. And I liked that they called out, like, he says, I really don't even know you that well, Sydney. Like, we really don't know each other that well. But that he still felt sorry for her. I thought that was maybe not high art, but believable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel bad for her. I, Because I, I do think in this moment of the show, and this will come and go as it always does with Sydney, I do think she's trying right now to keep it together. And... Mm-hmm not be an asshole to anyone. And I do think her motivation in telling Jane what's going on is fairly pure. I think a lot of it is self-preservation as it should be, because she's scared of this guy, but uh, I'm very disappointed in Jane for just outright dismissing everything she says about everything. Uh, I'm disappointed in uh, the other people in the complex for just kind of, I'm trying to remember what did Sydney do to everyone there that they're all mad at her? Am I just blanking something out? Like, well, she had a prostitution party in Melrose Place. Yeah, but that um, didn't, they would have gone if they got invited. She had the place crawling with cops because she attempted to kill Michael and she confessed to the murder. She was real shitty to Jane, who they're all friends with. Why is anyone friends with Jane? I don't understand why any of these people like Jane. I never will. She's so boring. And so mean. She's mean. She's way. You know what? Here's what I'll say about Sydney. Sydney is not mean. She is conniving and she is manipulative, but she's not really mean most of the time. She tries to get away with shit and she, she's always trying to get stuff. But she's, I, was, I don't know. I don't know. Jane's just mean. Jane's like a mean girl. I don't like her. I can't help you there. <laughs> but um, that last scene. So when Sydney's closing down the bar, um, and and Icky Chris comes. That was super gross, and I felt bad for her. And he's super creepy, and I don't care for him. It's a bold stance, I know, but I do wish they would do more of the thing they did. I think it was last week where they had him slip out of the Australian accent for a second when he was talking to her. I wish they would have kept that up because that was a little more interesting. 
can't add any more. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I would not call it a high art for the generations, but I think there are elements in here that um, I liked. Story. Okay. Well, we are ending this half with Mary being <laughs> wrong. That's what you would say about most halves. This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. Only one thing tastes better than success. And that's Rhonda's Culinary Funk! That's right. (laughs) Everyone's favorite podcast sponsor. I know it's yours, Teach. They're back for season three. We are thrilled to announce that Rhonda has a new synergistic cross-promotion going with the good people at Factors Gourmet Coffee. Oh, thank goodness. I know how you love coffee, Teej. This has to be music to your damn ears. <laughs> it's, it's music all over my taste buds. <laughs> Whether you are an unhinged doctor, an overworked social worker who knows the crazy stuff really happens over in social services, not the emergency room, a former madam who just got out of the loony bin, a high-stakes advertising maven whose dad just got blown up, or a couple of knuckleheads who basically got engaged on a dare and then acted shocked when it didn't work out, Factors has just the right blends for all the young urban professionals on their way up. Heck, even the pregnant ones can enjoy Factors' lush decaf blends. If you place an order with Rhonda's Culinary Funk this month at rondasculinaryfunk.biz using promo code advertisement, question mark, <laughs> you can add one bag of any Factors proprietary coffee blend to your order for just $40. And even better, if you add two bags, you'll get the second bag for just $20. That's right. It's a BOGO. We got a BOGO. That's two bags of coffee for just 60 bucks. What That's a steal. Not BOGO. You get one. Half off. For free. No, that's... A BOGO. Buy one, get one. Half off. You're, you are misusing that. Listen, <laughs> this podcast <laughs> is a paragon of truth. <laughs> we will not stand for the brutalization of the English language. Yeah, not, we dare not hurt BOGO. Uh, what coffee can the poor slobs out there drink just to be just like us? Well, Factors Gourmet Coffee, you fools, you slobs. Get some Factors. You fucking nasty ass bitches. You poor slobs. And, oh my god, Teach, are you sitting down? No. You might want to. Okay. More exciting Rhonda culinary funk related news. Okay. Rhonda is thrilled to welcome special guest chef Susan Madsen. (gasps) Oh my gosh, Mary, I didn't listen. I didn't sit down and I fell over. Oh, are you okay? Oh, oh, Susan. Chef Susan? Chef Susan, who has one year of training from the Parisian campus of La Cordon Bleu. Susan, who is also known as the Boyfriend Snatcher, has whipped a fabulous recipe for Pigeonel à la Noël that Rhonda's Culinary Funk subscribers can add to their carts this month. What the fuck did you say to me? Pigeonel à la Noël. It's squab. Doesn't that sound delicious? Nope. Not really. Uh, you can add it to your cart this month. All Ronda, It's available to all Rhonda's Culinary Funk subscribers. You can also get all of your regular favorites like mashed potatoes with codfish gravy. <laughs> Good. Low-fat fettuccine. With codfish? 
codfish nuggets with tartar sauce. And Ew. lest we forget, spinach lasagna and corned beef hash mushed together in a pan. Oh, my God. And, oh, my God, buckle up even more. <laughs> if you weren't already buckled, unhook your buckle, click it loose, then re-click it. You're going to want to be on the lookout for Susan's fresh new take on Pigeonelle a la Noel with codfish coming soon to a taste plate near your face. That's Rhonda's Culinary Funk. You'll be glad you learned to boil water. This is, you know, I've been so worried because I've been so tempted, Mary, these last, whoa, these last several months um, to switch over to one of one of the other meal kit delivery services, <laughs> such as uh, HelloFresh, uh, Hello Kitty, or um, Kimberly's Kitchen Creations. Well, I can't, you know what? I, I Kimberly's Kitchen Creations is definitely a legit option because they mm-hmm. are sponsors um those other ones though those are for just those poor slobs out there like if you if you are a hip young urban professional who's on their way up you're going to want to stick with ronda's culinary funk yeah you, listen listen the fucking losers that get hello fresh no thank you i'm sorry that you know who you know who would do that receptionist the pull great american disappearing act oh my god they're the worst mm-hmm Ugh. God, they probably microwave fish in the office too. Oh, gross. Codfish. Now, Mary, uh, I'm planning a nice murder mystery party. Another one? Yeah, but uh, this time I need to up the ante. So we're going to do a sacrifice. Don't keep that on the deal. Uh, what might Rhonda suggest for this? A human sacrifice? Can we just focus on the dinner? Okay. Um,. My, 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 well, let me think. I mean, I'm not a professional chef like Susan Madsen, who has one year of training at the Cordon Bleu. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, far more training than you or I have. You don't know what I do. <laughs> I know what you make, and I'm going to say, yeah. <laughs> I make an exquisite frozen pizza. Uh-huh. Um, oh, my goodness. So, for uh, is there a theme to the murder mystery party besides the human sacrifice? Uh, we're not talking about that. Yeah, oh, sure. Of course. The theme, it's um, the summer of love. Oh, the summer of love. Well, when you think of summer, what do you think? You think picnic in the park. Mm-hmm. Some foot-long hot dogs. <gasps> Don't uh, say with chili. Oh, how did you know? How did oh, you Because I felt I already felt a little sexy. <laughs> it is the summer of love, after all, and nothing gets the motor running like chili dogs. <laughs> Foot-long chili dogs in the park from Rhonda's Culinary Funk. Maybe a little side of coleslaw. Coleslaw? Coleslaw, yeah. Yeah, Combination of salad and coleslaw. We've been recording too long. It's possible. Uh, Oh, gosh. You know, when I think of a summer gathering, I think of that one family reunion where my cousin got a crush on another relative. (laughs) We had to keep her. That's right. You're just talking about a friend, a cousin. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I get it. Oh, boy. When I think of a, a summer of love and or family reunion meal, I just, yeah, those chili dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picture, oh, a lot of cabbage with my mm. A lot of cabbage being served. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everyone loves a nice big tray full of grandma's chocolate chip cookies on a hot summer day. Maybe some of those for your party. Um, oh, good, good. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not a professional meal planner. You would want to reach out to Rhonda, and you know, 
you can anytime at Rhonda's Culinary Funk.biz. Again, just to repeat that promo code for this, this week's offer, uh, you can add one bag of any of Factors Gourmet Coffee proprietary blends to your order for only $40. And if you add promo code advertisement question mark you can get another bag for only 20 more dollars that's two bags of coffee for 60 dollars wow how big are these bags the normal size good i listen little ones grocery store not like a big sack of beans i'm gonna run not walk i'm gonna run to the nearest computer and and order this up i would like just Remember, though, you did sit down. So remember, before you try to get up and run to the computer, make sure to stand up again. And we are back for the second half of season three, episode seven of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing the crook, the creep, his lover and her sister. And no, we're not talking about four people. We're talking about one powerful episode of Melrose Place. I'm Tej. I'm still Mary. <laughs> and Mary, you're kicking us off with some trash. Yeah, I sure am. Uh, I call this one, maybe Joe really is from San Francisco because her alleged New York instincts have failed her yet again. <laughs> uh, we're going to retread a little bit of the syllogram. We're going to go a little different direction. So again, there's a party at Jane. She's introducing all the Melrose Placians to Chris. Uh, Joe and Amanda are off to the side. And Joe is talking about how I don't think I can afford to have this baby or keep the baby because I don't have health insurance. And if I'm fighting this court battle, I won't have any savings. Plus, all the firms who usually hire me aren't returning my call since word I got out that I'm pregnant. Okay, whatever. Uh, Chris overhears this. And because he's trying to kiss everybody's butts, he's like, oh, we're doing a winter catalog. And we'll hire you. And then Sydney overhears them all saying, like, oh, Chris is such a nice guy. And I'm like, oh, poor Sydney. Um the scene happens, like you said, where Jake goes to Mancini Designs to deliver the thing. Chris mistakes him for a messenger and says all kinds of gross stuff about Sydney and Jane. And then, so Jake kind of knows what's going on. Jake knows that Chris is a creeper. Uh, we see Joe leaving to go to her fashion catalog shoot for Mancini Designs. And she runs into Jake, who's in his suit. We, we know he's on his way to talk about buying shooters, but he doesn't tell her that yet. He doesn't want to tell her until he knows for sure that it's going to work out. And so he's carrying her cameras out to her car. She starts gushing about Chris at Jane's party. And, oh, you missed meeting Chris. And he's so great. And Jake's like, that guy's a creep. <laughs> and he says... He tells her the story of what Joe said about how great Sydney's ass was and that she used to be a prostitute. And like you said, Joe says with her history, she's a walking target. Wow. Uh, says the lady who harpooned her ex-boyfriend. Uh, Jake goes on that Chris said he's thinking about taking Sydney's salary out in the trade. And Joe said, maybe you misunderstood him. Okay. Sure. Uh, Jake says no. <laughs> and that Jane had better make tracks as fast as she can. And Joe looks confused. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Joe is at Man City Design shooting the catalog shoot. We must talk about what this model is wearing. Ice. Ice. Give me ice. This model is wearing what it can only be described, I'm sorry, is a pimp coat from the 1970s. <laughs> it's like they took it out of the Conan O'Brien studios off of Pimp Bot and brought it to the Melrose Place studio. Um, it has a huge ugly fur collar. The model is wearing hot pants. Okay. Uh, then the weirdest part is she's posing in between two naked marble busts. With mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. And I'm like, what? What the fuck is this? What the fuck are you selling? 
it's ugly and this is stupid. Uh, Jane comes in to check on Joe between photo setups and Joe's like, oh, you know, Jake said this thing about Chris. And Jane's like, oh, you know how great Chris is. He gave you this job. And Joe's like, oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, Chris is terrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine him doing something out of character like that. And Jane's like, oh, don't believe anything that Jake said. And Joe says, sure, sure. You should trust your heart, Jane. And Jane says, my heart thinks this is all a misunderstanding. Uh, we cut to shooters, as we've talked about. I won't go there again because it makes me very angry. Jane comes in and ruins Jake's big moment of saying that he bought the only bar anyone ever goes to on this show. Which she uh, couldn't have known, didn't know. She wasn't privy to that information. Maybe she was invited to it. Maybe she, I don't know. Uh, but nobody knew why they were there. She could have taken a beat and asked someone else how they're doing for once. Uh, anyway, Joe Beth Reynolds, we need to have a conversation here. Joe should be ashamed of herself. Joe should be ashamed of herself. How many episodes of this goddamn show have we watched where Joe talks about how horrible men are, how horribly they treat her, how they can't be trusted, they all try to manipulate her, and they're all trying to screw her around. And then how many more have we watched where men have literally been horrible to Joe, where, like, they try to kill her on a boat and shove her in a booby hatch. And, like, she has no interest in even, for a second, listening to what Sydney said, not even just a little... And she won't listen to what Jake says. Jake, who's this person she pines over and dotes on, like now suddenly he's just clearly making something up. Just why? He never even met the guy. He has nothing to go with him. And then on top of it, why is she not getting hired for photography jobs? Because she's pregnant. She's not on bed rest or incapacitated. She's clearly able to stand and take pictures. That's the job. No, she threw up and she left. That was when she wasn't even showing yet. So she's like eight months along now, judging by her belly. Like, no, I call, maybe she's not getting hired because she's dumb. <laughs> anyway, uh, is she this desperate for a job shooting the Mancini Designs winter catalog that she would go along with this 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 bullshit? Like, no, this is not okay, Joe. Also, and again, I cannot emphasize this enough. Jane can go fuck herself for ruining Jake Stewart's moment. I really didn't care for that at all. It really bothered me. And also, <sighs> go to she's. She's being a real asshole to Sydney. And I get that there's a lot of history there and there's been a lot of shenanigans and Sydney is certainly not some little innocent angel. But like, if your sister keeps coming and telling you this over and over again, at least maybe investigate it for a second. Especially once- No. Because now Jake is corroborating it independently. He Like he said, he barely knows Sydney. He has no reason to get involved in this. And he's telling you this guy's a creep. So take somebody seriously and stop being stupid. Oh, Michael? Should she take Michael seriously? Look- Chris is a master manipulator because here's what he did, right? By playing this the way he is, he's got Michael saying, I know you're acting like this because you're getting it regular. Jane knows that's wrong because she knows Chris (laughs) isn't sleeping with her and didn't want to, right? So like Chris is showing a side of him to Jane that from Jane's perspective, why should you believe Sydney? Why would you believe Sydney? Look at the things Sydney has done. The lies she's told, the deceits, the trickery, the constant gamesmanship. But she got Jane, she got Jane to, to file a restraining order against Michael, which apparently is gone now, just so that it would be easier for her to marry Michael. She got caught tied up in Jane's bed by Michael. <laughs> she should not trust Sydney. Now, 
when she, she shouldn't trust Sydney, that that's just factual. Michael was factually wrong, right? So she okay. So now we've got two people kind of accusing Chris of something. Third, she believes she had evidence that Sydney was making shit up because Chris heard Sydney say, "It's him. He's doing it again." And Chris was like, uh, "Sydney, would you put Jane on the line, please?" That's my new Australian accent. <laughs> So And then finally, because Jake was stupid and told Chris that he knew Jane and Sydney, Chris was prepared for the confrontation and had a good, believable story, which was, I, he said, I understand why Jake would think that. Based on the part he heard from the conversation, it sounded weird, but this is what happened. So Chris is very believable here. Jane's not wrong to distrust Sydney. She just happens to be wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. But here's what I would say. If you have been surrounded by master manipulators like Michael and Sydney, and they start calling out someone else and saying, this guy's up to some shit. Even wouldn't, if they- wouldn't you assume Michael and Sydney are manipulating you again? But for what? I don't know. what In Jane's mind, what would Chris's game be? He's not trying to sleep with her. He's only made her money. Allegedly. So Allegedly, as far as we know, right? Like He's grown her business in a way that Michael wanted to stop. He's not trying to sleep with her. He's devoted to her, again, as far as she knows. The only evidence against that is just what people are saying, and Chris always has a good explanation for it. Clearly, these walls are going to come crashing down, but I don't think Jane is crazy yet. I just, I... I can't remember. Get listen, go back in history. Remember when Jane yelled at Allison for say, for being... So stupid to suggest that Michael was making out with a doctor in the parking lot. <laughs> that was a great scene when they were making out right in front of the door of the hospital. <laughs> right there, right there. <laughs> oh, well, Mary, I would like to talk about high art for the generations. I don't think I can afford to keep this baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot you're going to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's a short part. It happened in the very beginning of the episode at the dinner party. Joe is stressed. Allison says, what's wrong? Did the, did the Carters contact you again? Again, reminding us about the storyline that they dropped. They just dropped it. It's been gone for a couple episodes yeah. now. It's coming back. We needed to wait for Jake to have his adventures. But um, <laughs> Joe said she's really stressed. She's not sure she can afford to keep this baby. She's not getting jobs anymore. She doesn't have health insurance. She uh, Blah, 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 blah. And I thought it was an example of high art for the generations um, because I really think that's a, a realistic thing people have to think about or people do think about when they're pregnant, which is the implications, the, the finance, like, am I going to be able to raise this baby? That seems fair. Yeah, that's all I have to say. That's it? I, I mean, there wasn't much to the storyline. So <laughs> I just thought it was a realistic portrayal of something that... Uh, People who are pregnant, usually women have to think about. That's fair enough. I, I maintain I don't understand why she's not getting jobs. That Oh, yeah, I don't. That, that doesn't make any fucking sense either. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that was short and sweet. And, and uh, accurate. Accurate. Well, is it, is it my turn? Yeah. To bring us home? Are we talking about the burns? Nope. The Burns? Susan. We're going with Susan. Go ahead. Uh, Tell us about the cook. Oh, God. I called this one. It's Billy. Billy, Billy. The one I left at the altar? 
<laughs> oh god so i forgot about this was all gonna come um billy's at work and there's a lady standing at the reception desk she's waiting for allison and he assumes it's their new assistant and introduces himself she says i'm susan uh allison walks in and they hug and oh they were college roommates and susan just got back from paris where she went to the cordon bleu uh, she's moving to Santa Barbara. She's going to be a chef at a restaurant and Allison and her wander off and she shows around the office. Um, we see them eating lunch in the park and Billy walks up and asks to join them. And Allison's like, did you follow us? <laughs> he said, I eat in this park all the time. Yeah. Did you know I eat in this? Did you know I shop here? <laughs> people break up weird on this show. Especially since they're in a city of millions of people and only ever see each other. Uh, he's like, I'm stuck at the alpha in my own bench. And after he walks off, Susan is confused. And Allison's like, it's Billy. Billy, Billy, the one I left at the altar. Okay. And- now, here's the thing. I know there are some names that are really common. Are there that many Billies that Susan wouldn't have put it together? That the guy Allison's being really weird to is the Billy she already knows about. Well, yeah, and we know Allison hasn't dated very many guys, too, historically. So, like- well, she, I mean, she dated a bunch of guys while she was with Billy. <laughs> I love when you bring that up instead. Of, uh, Allison goes out and says, boy, have I got a lot to tell you. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I bet. Uh, later, they're back at the apartment complex. Uh, Billy comes home on his bike, and Susan sees him ride in, and she's like, will you come and try this new recipe? And he's like, all right. And she says, it's pigeonel à la Noël. And he says, he doesn't know oh. friends. Oh, says, I bet I know this week's sponsor. <laughs> she says, it's squab. Like, that doesn't sound appetizing. Call it the other thing. Uh, she, she takes him inside, and he hesitates in the doorway. He's like, I think I'm invading Allison's space. And she's like, oh, no, no. Like, it's fine. Allison's still at work. And they are jibber-jabbering. And then she gives him a bag of stuff Allison wants to give back to him. And then, of course, Allison gets home, and it's awkward, and Billy leaves. Uh, Allison goes to the kitchen and makes a martini. And I said, here we go again. Here we go. Later, Susan's VW van has broken down and she's got to get to Santa Barbara. What happened? Billy walks out in his soccer uniform. I don't know where he's going. And he's like, oh, the, you know, one of our neighbors is a mechanic. She's like, it's not that simple. The starter is dead. I'm like, that's something a mechanic would work on. So, okay. Yeah, it um, is that simple, actually. <laughs> that's literally what they do. She starts having like a temper tantrum. And he's like, well, I can drive you. And then Allison walks up. She's like, if anyone's driving her, it's me. And Billy's like, your stupid Betsy car is not going to make it to Santa Yeah, Park. when are we stuck with Betsy again? I thought Betsy went away. Yeah. But I thought, didn't she get a Jeep from Billionaire? Yeah, she did. And then she had another new car, too. God, this show can't keep, talk- keep track of its cars, even. Uh, she's like, no, I just got Betsy service, and it's in perfect condition. Susan butts in and says, I'll take the bus. And they both go, No! <laughs> So they go off in Billy's car, which I don't remember him getting a new car. It's a convertible. Allison is weirdly riding in the front seat with Billy, but Susan's in the back seat blathering on about vintage cars, and it's very stupid. And Billy's like, it's rare to find a woman who understands the relationship between a man and his automobile. Like, what is it, the 1920s? (laughs) This is the weirdest conversation. Uh, I make the same face that Allison makes when she hears that line. Uh, They deliver Susan to restaurant but uh-oh there's a problem the backers pulled out and they can't open wah, wah. they stop at a park and susan's like oh my god i don't have a job my van is busted up i have nowhere to live and allison's like you could just live with me it'll be like old times plus there's lots of restaurants in la and billy's like yay i'll buy you lunch and allison says no we're gonna take the train back to los angeles mm-hmm. 
It's and then Billy says, why? Valid question. And Alice is like, we haven't spent any time alone together. And she's my friend. And so she goes to call the train station for the schedule, which is a sign of a different time. Uh, Billy's like, well, this is par for the course for her lately. And Susan asks, do you still love her? And there's schmoopy piano music. And he's like, I'll always care about her. But she's made up her mind. It's easier to start over than start again. So it's for the best. And you know what? I'm going to start over again, too. And I'm like, oh, God, we all know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan and Allison are talking later. And Susan's like, why do you push Billy away after all these revelations about your dad? Like, what's going on? Are you afraid yeah. of Billy? I don't, like, I don't like that line. He was, unple- it was unpleasant. So Allison's like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> so- yeah, just give me a martini. Yeah, just give me give me one of those martinis. And Allison's like, you know, I think it's great you like Billy, but if you are going to live here, I really don't think we should become the Three Musketeers, which is a fair boundary, I think. Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, uh, Allison is not home, and Billy is at the apartment. And he's trying to get Susan to go out for sushi because Allison's working late. And Susan's like, well, I can't because I'm going to move in with Allison. And Billy's like, okay, how about tomorrow night? Billy's <laughs> and, uh, not taking the hint. Once again, as usual, Billy is not taking the hint. Susan's like, Allison's my best friend. And like, she reaches to put a pot on the counter and he grabs her hand and goes, I got it. And the plinky piano music plays and I barf. Uh, Billy's like, I like you and I think you like me too. And she says, it doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. And he turns on his alleged charm and he says, well, what if we met somewhere else like in Boston or on Fifth Avenue? And I'm like, how could she ever resist a man in acid wash denim and a tie? Oh my God, Mary. Let go of the acid wash. Never, because he won't. Uh, she says, yeah, if we met that way, great. But we didn't, so sorry. All right. Um, is it kind of weird that this is, she literally describes her as her best friend. She mm-hmm. had no, apparently virtually no idea that Allison ever got engaged or who Billy is. Or any contextual related, like that Billy lives in the same building or works with her. Or does she know that the wedding didn't happen? Like, I don't know. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay. Like, it was the 90s. If Susan was in France at the Cordon Bleu, like, and there was only very basic computer mail, as we have at Mm D&D. And, like, maybe you wouldn't call each other much because it's long distance and it's international. And, like, you had to use those little calling cards like my dad made us buy all the time at Sam's Club. Like, okay, you might not be super up to date on every little thing. But, like, I feel like you would have had the big bullet points. Like, you got engaged. His name is Billy. You live together. You work at the same place. Like, does she not know about, like, Billionaire Steve or Keith or any of the other boyfriends Allison had while she was dating Billy either? Like, <laughs> What really frustrates me about this storyline, because it's not the flashiest one in this episode at all, it's it just feels really slapped together. It's kind of like, why are we why are we diving back into this immediately? We just got done with the stupid Elizabeth storyline and the stupid one night stand thing for Allison. Like Mitch. Oh, Mitch! God, I already forgot his name. <laughs> Could we just like have a week where? Maybe they're just single for like five minutes after they broke an engagement. Like maybe just take a minute or have more one night stands. Like as you like to say, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. That I would have less of a problem with. But can we maybe just not immediately bring in another like stupid friend of Allison's to be a relationship conflict? Like this is it just keeps happening over and over again. Like could Billy have like a hot guy show up that she's into just for a change of pace? I don't know. That's for Matt. 
it would be nice if Matt got something to do. <laughs> Listen, uh, this episode, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it trash, but I would concede it's not high art only because it's clear where we're headed. And this is just like, uh, you know, they couldn't say yada, yada, yada yet. Right. But that's what they want to do. Uh, Allison has a best friend here. Yada, yada, yada. She lives with Billy. We just have to, we just have to suffer through the, the motions on that. Yeah. It's annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> um, it's weird the way Billy's trying so hard because I have to also say it doesn't make sense to me that Billy would push so hard for Allison's best friend. No, like, and I know I say this over and over. I understand for watching a show where naturally they're going to pull in certain kinds of characters, but this show is set in Los Angeles. There's millions of people. They never meet anyone that someone in the group doesn't already know, ever. Like, there is never just... Outside of the time Rhonda met her husband, like, everyone knows... Or Matt. They're the only people who meet people who don't already know someone else. And they're all off the show. (laughs) You... I mean, Sandy Sandy met uh, Booker from Roseanne. Oh, I I forgot about Booker from... From from Sullivan's Nursery. (laughs) Willie pads in the pool! Well... I, I just... I. This is a spoiler. At some point, doesn't Allison's sister show up this season and start hitting on Billy too? Or I, I don't hitting... think so. I think I think that happens. We'll find out. Much like <laughs> about Jake's brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mary. Were there any other highlights you wanted to hit? Um, let me check. I think. My only other two things, oh, the, all the other, so one of them was Amanda telling Jake that she set up a one o'clock meeting because she thought this lunch wouldn't go well. Because yeah. that was great. My other moment that I really liked was um, Amanda was swimming laps and Sydney was leaving for work. And Amanda gets out of the pool and she's like, hey, I need you to move your stuff out of the storage locker. And Sydney's like, how, what am I, how am I going to do that? And Amanda says, you blackmailed your sister's ex-husband into marrying you, framed her for attempted murder, ran a call girl ring. I think you'll figure out something. And you wonder why Jane doesn't trust Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun line, though. It was cute. Did you have anything else? Hi, Mary. I had a couple of things I would like to address. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Um, so first, uh, when Billy, when when Susan first shows up, Billy says, "Our receptionist must have pulled off one of her great disappearing acts again." Rude, dismissive. You sound like an asshole. <laughs> yep. Second, Billy's wearing a tie um, that I would like to describe this way. Okay. It looks like if it were made of a different material, but the same design, that it could be a math fraternity paddle used in naked hazing incidents. Oh. Yeah. Naked I added just for Gail. Oh, she'll like that. But here's why. It could be a math frat paddle because it's full of geometric shapes. Yeah. And it is wide as fucking hell. Why <laughs> is he wearing these thick ass ties? They go with his acid wash jeans. <laughs> no, man. Stop it. Je- jeans don't go with ties. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for finally saying that. <laughs> I was really bothered by Susan saying, are you afraid to be with him because of what your father did? But then Allison said she doesn't want intimacy with anyone. Uh, the episode after her one night stand. 
the show is sending mixed messages. <laughs> Very confusing. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, I will just say, as of this point, the only two men with a feminist card right now are okay. Matt for being gay <laughs> and Dr. Peter Burns. Yeah, I don't know that anyone else. I, I will say I will give partial credit back to Jake for helping Sydney out, but he does not earn the full card back. No, it's damsel in distress nonsense. But oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then the last thing, um, I Mary, I'm a little embarrassed about this, but I was served an ad, a targeted ad, because I was watching this on Hulu <laughs> from Jersey Mike's. I don't know what that. It's a sub company, and uh, what their specialty is a, a particular brand of oil and vinegar that they put on top of all their subs. The Jersey, the Jersey juice or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah, the juice. Uh, they call it juice. Anyway, um, I know I was surfed this ad uh, because they had an ad campaign or a social media moment that went terribly awry, terribly sexual, and I was all over the Twitter feed about it. <laughs> okay. But Jersey Mike's, I can't believe the ad is still up. But the ad had the same tagline as the Twitter post from a while ago, which was, what's the right way to top a sub? (laughs) Is that that proprietary oil? (laughs) Wow. It's so inappropriate. It's not, you know, it depends who you're marketing to, I guess. Listen, not me, not me. Do you think Amanda Woodworth would have signed off on that one? Well, she does have now six years of marketing experience, so whatever she says would go. (laughs) By now she's retired. (laughs) Oh, you don't even know how how the reboot ends. Okay. No, I don't. Well, I haven't watched it, so no. We'll get there soon enough, Mary. I also don't know how it starts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mary, we're going to have to come back next week for episode eight. What are the chances that was going to be the end result of this podcast? (laughs) Next week, I'm going to get you. Next week's it. I can tell. I'm going to finally convince you. Oh, um... Does life got you down? Does it ever? Is your car broke? Mm. Maybe a busted starter? Is your mortgage underwater? Oh, God. Or if you live on the coast during climate change, is your whole house underwater? (laughs) Maybe your dog ran away to some strange beach lady only to come up later sniffing up on your junk? (laughs) I never even thought of that. You need to turn it around, sister. Try Factors Gourmet Coffee. Oh my God, I will. It's like a country music song in reverse. (laughs) Oh, wow. Factors Coffee. Drink it, you poor slobs. (laughs) What a slob. Mary, this Factors Coffee 
It gives you everything. What do you want? Do you want fame? It gives it to you. Do you want fortune? You got it. Do you want fems? Like babes? I was going for Fs. Do you want babes? It gives it to you. You just take a just a little sip of this coffee and you will feel like you are on top of the world. Like no one can stop you from getting your dreams. Whether those dreams are financial or gentlemen, you're going to get them. <laughs> oh, wow. You poor slobs listening to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to go from the insult to, to purchase it. But you poor fucking slobs. You got to <laughs> drink this coffee or you're going to be you're, you know what? Maybe maybe the poor slobs listening to this podcast want to upgrade their workout uh, entertainment. Oh, I promise you, you get yourself some Factors Coffee, and <laughs> you're going to switch to a different Melrose Place podcast. You're going to upgrade there too. <laughs> uh, oh Listen, we're already insulting them. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> These poor slobs. <laughs> <clears throat> Factors coffee. Drink it, you poor slobs. It gives you the confidence you need to conquer the world. You know what else it gives you? What? Energy. Really? Diarrhea. That seems legit. And jitters. Oh, God, I love a good set of jitters, don't you? you? You ever go to a meeting and your hand's not shaking? What the hell? Did you even have a meeting if your hands weren't shaking? Listen, if you're in a meeting and your hand's not shaking, you might as well go ahead and lie and say you scheduled another meeting at one o'clock just in case this one went poorly. (laughs) That really is a stroke of genius. (laughs) Just like drinking Factors Coffee. Factors Coffee, it's like a country music song in reverse. Drink it, you poor slobs. Oh my God, I'm so excited about this cross-promotional opportunity, Teach. What? I mean, I hear the word synergy thrown around a lot. but Mm -hmm. Because you work in corporate America. I do now, and they say it a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it even has meaning to most of these people. But boy, do we ever have meaning in it today. The fact that we were able to land this, this series of wonderful advertisements and wonderful products good people at Foster's Gourmet Coffee. You know, is it Foster's or Factors? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I think it's Factors because at Factors, not only do they have synergy with other other sponsor brands, they've also made they've been solutioning all this time. Oh, the solutioning that is going on is profound. You know, what do you do when you've got a dog you abandoned on the beach that comes back sniffing up on you? That's great, it was Michael's dog. <laughs> for for people that didn't watch season one. When I'm Jane, so mad I never thought of that. <laughs> when Jane almost had an abortion, but instead had a miscarriage, which is, you know, whatever. Uh, they but To make her feel better about her miscarriage, they got her a puppy, which they never named. And then they just lost it on the beach, only to find it with some random lady at a beach house. And they kept walking around yelling, puppy! Puppy! <laughs> And Matt was with Rhonda putting up lost puppy signs and he stapled the sign to wood and said, you know, it's just like my friends with HIV and AIDS. <laughs> Season one was a blast, everybody. If you haven't watched it, you're... don't do it. Don't do it. Listen, I'm going to cut in front of you, Mary. Don't watch season one. If you've come this far, just keep going. Just keep going. 
But they never will know the joy of Puppy. Yeah, that's okay. Because they saw Puppy sniff it up on Michael. And you know what the folks at Factors Coffee have been doing? They've been solutioning. And they have some synergy with the Acid Wash Jeans Company. No dog comes sniffing on Acid Wash Jeans more than once. Oh, God. I don't like this. Once you said Acid Wash, that's where you lost me. Because you know about the synergies going on with the Acid Wash Jeans Company. You know what they've done to, to Acid Wash those jeans? What? They dipped them in the pheromones from Homsta Domsta. Oh <laughs> so it, 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 the dogs, they sniff it and then they are no longer. They become stuffed dogs and they go away. Do they melt in the snow when they go ice skating? So Mary, that episode won't air for nine months. Oh, this is so confusing, but thank God for all this synergy. Oh, and the solutioning. Mary, factor is coffee. It's like a country music song in reverse. Just drink it, you poor slobs. <laughs> I, are there any promo codes or anything our listeners should know about? Nope. No, no, just no. No. <laughs> Listen, we, we put factors coffee uh the poor slobs out there that need to become high-rise professionals uh we don't think they're going to navigate the internet well so we just we only have them for sale at kmart right by the kathy ireland attire that's god the synergy yeah what? it's right there next to all of the gratitude by kathy ireland products gratitude by kathy ireland. i mean boy oh boy what what a what an episode this is there, there is so much, so much solutioning happening for so many of your synergistic problems in your life. Um, my, oh, my. And again, just, you know, just think outside the box, Mary. You know what? While we're here, Rhonda's Culinary Funk. Enter that promo code. <laughs> God, I forgot. What it Advertisement. Advertisement? Question mark? You can get that BOGO deal. Don't forget. That's inappropriate use of the word BOGO. We have to, we have to stop this. BOGO. So wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and. Uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ellie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. <laughs> oh, God. 